welcome to Buena Vista, episode 152. I am Ben, and I am here in the beautiful Amamore Creek State Forest, enjoying the sights and sounds of the Gimpy Music Muster. On stage, inexplicably playing a fretless five-string bass for Troy Casadaly, doing solos that simply do not have any place in the songs, is Theo. Hello, hey. Theo. Oh, how you going? How you doing there? Good, good. It- I'm getting really big into gent. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> Lately. <laughs> it just it just seems yeah. like you, you keep sort of trying to kick off on these solos and then everyone yeah. else will start playing again uh, almost instantly. Yeah, look, I think the, f- the thing I've found is that if you slap the bass hard enough, you do not need a pick. That's true. Just oh. got to whack that bass. <laughs> uh, Theo's right. Uh, attempting to either buy or sell drugs from or to Casey Chambers. It's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. I know she's holding something, or she oh, will be she... holding something soon. <laughs> One way or the other, we're going to sort this out. <laughs> One way or the other, you'll get what you want, which is for <laughs> drugs and money to change hands in either direction. What's the most gimpy music festival drug, do you think? I think uh, methamphetamines. Yeah, it's it's got to be goey. meth, right? And, and I, I don't mean this in a, you know, in a derogatory fashion. I'm not trying to paint the people going to this as hillbillies. I just mean that, you know, if you're going to be doing a, a lot of boot scooting, you're going to want to go all night. You need that energy, man. I've been to rodeos before. I've seen people at 2 a.m. kicking the dirt, uh, going absolutely <laughs> ham, but I know that that energy is not coming from inside themselves. Uh, it's either that or just an unfathomable amount of Bundy and Cokes, you know. Oh, that'll certainly do mm. it. That is its own potent drug cocktail, I believe. All of that Queensland sugarcane gets you hopped up bad. <laughs> Americans wouldn't know about this because, you know, they're, they're, they're drinking that uh, the high fructose corn syrup instead of actual they got, sugar. They've got those sugar beets. I'm sorry? They've got sugar beets, not sugar cane as well. So, so beets, hmm. B-E-E-T-S, uh-huh. uh, that have sugar in them. That's how they make their sugar. That can't be Largely real. is through sugar beets. Huh. They're, they're fucking up. It, it comes in a grass. It doesn't come in a, a tuber? No. Who? Disgusting country. Very strange. Who's making sugar out of beets? This is madness. Americans, this is what I've been saying. <laughs> Instead. <laughs> I don't know if... Is this like yeah. a long campaign that you have been running? <laughs> Just like trying to inform people about this? Very this is very definitely the first I've heard about your issue with sugar beets. <laughs> To be, to be fair. Well, then you haven't been listening. Wow. <laughs> You've been lacing all of these episodes, hundreds of episodes with like subliminal uh, criticisms <laughs> of the sugar beet industry. Play the tapes back. <laughs> Play them backwards. But, uh, but yeah, I do think that, um, well, is it, is it the demographics or is it the uh, very high proof uh, rum and too much cola? That makes people go incredibly violent, or is it a combination of the two? I don't know if I, I, I only believe that like rum is for fighting in a metaphorical sense, right? Like, there's no, there's no actual chemical in rum that can make you more prone to fighting. I, correct? I reckon there is. I reckon that like pirates. Why do pirates? You know, why are they all about the rum? I think with drinks, we kind of let ourselves have these like. Weird myths about them that we wouldn't entertain with anything oh, 100%. else. I think mainly because we learn them all when we're like 18, internalize yep. them and never question them. And we're like, oh, dude, he's drinking with a straw. He's going to get so fucked up. 
All those bubbles are going straight to his brain. <laughs> oh no, there's gin in that. He will have killed himself by the end of the evening. Or just well, being like, gin oh, does dude, mess with your ethers. You had uh, gin and you had rum. Oh, dude, you're gonna be Whoa. totally wrecked. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just booze. Just drink water. Just that's it. That's all you have to do. Drink a bunch of it. Drink water. You'll be fine. And that's alcohol. Mm. Right. See you, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We just we just came to discuss you know the state of alcohol, where it's from, what it does to you. Can I just say, uh, (laughs) there's two things about the sugar beet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The like Latin name for the sugar beet, the species, is the beta vulgaris. B e t a. Ba- it's beta. It's vulgar in the Sorry, eyes beta of vulgaris. God. Yes, it's my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album. Yep, uh, and its <laughs> closest wild relative is the sea beet. I'm actually on the uh, sea beet diet. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> uh, it means I'm only eating sea beets. <laughs> <sighs> and your body is rife with scurvy. <laughs> it's, I'm very sick. <laughs> Please help. My goodness. My family. Sea beats all they have. <laughs> also, the sea beat implies the existence of a much more confusing land beat. Mm. Well, we don't have time to get into that, the do we? Sky beat and fire beat. <laughs> <laughs> and the heartbeat. Oh, oh. oh mm. fucking hell. Boom. Putting together a protest against that joke. I think it's going to run up against some larger, uh, better protests. Hey, there he is. The king of the Segway. Back on top, baby. <laughs> oh, I went to bed very late, but I've drunk a lot of coffee this morning, and it's all kind of balancing out. And you can d- just keep doing that forever, I've found. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you just keep ladling that. You know what I was thinking as I made my third coffee today? I was thinking, I I just don't. I do not. I couldn't even begin to guess. I was making my third coffee and thinking to myself, I cannot remember the last time I drank water. (laughs) 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 That's real. That's not good. That is real. Look, it's coffees for the mornings and beers for the evenings. And Saturdays are for the boys. Is that right, Andrew? Saturdays are for the boys. Thanks, I, Scott I, uh, Adams. I drank exactly one glass of water when I was getting quite drunk one night this week and like told seven people about it the next day. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you won't believe it. I woke up the next day feeling great. I had water. I, I love that, that train of thought when you're like filling up the glass at the sink just before you go to bed and you're like, I'm the fucking smartest person on earth, right? <laughs> You know, the fucking, the guy at the end of Inside Man walking out with the diamonds in your pocket, just like, <laughs> yep. laughing your ass off. Does anybody else ever do the uh, the preemptive Panadol? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a classic. You drink like a pint of water with two Panadol, and you will wake up in the morning and think that you actually had a, a big wheatgrass smoothie. That's how good you'll feel. How long does Panadol last for? Not that long. It just takes a little bit of the edge off. Like, um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has that issue where, like, if I, I don't know, if I'm, if I've been too drunk, and I'm going to bed, and I'm like, I've already started to sober up, get a bit headachey, you know. Um, 
you ever had that thing where you wake up in the middle of the night and the hangover has already started? Oh, I hate yeah. that one. That's yeah, a bad one. Yeah, yeah. So that's the time when you like your your lizard brain needs to really help you out by either getting you to peel yourself out of bed and go and drink a big glass of water and take a couple of Panadol, or you will go, my head hurts, and oh, go I back to get sleep. Out of bed. <laughs> and then you'll wake up a couple hours later and go, oh, it's Yeah, with hurts. an even worse headache. Uh, and then you wake up in the morning and you're like, I wish I had have done something about this six hours ago. I had a really weird one last week where, like, I had been doing a stream at Nether's where I'd been drinking relatively moderately. And, like, I got home and George had a couple people around, like, drinking the backyard around the fire. And I was like... Oh, I'll have like one drink and go to bed because I'm a little sleepy. And then immediately had a bunch of drinks put into my hand because like everyone was doing like splitting bottles and stuff. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm so tired. All right, I'll just drink these really quickly and then I'll go to sleep. So I had like a relatively enormous quantity of alcohol in a very short amount of time. Fell asleep before I felt any of it and then woke up an hour later hammered. Just like, oh my God, what happened to me? It's very perplexing. <laughs> to just be like why am i dumb something weird is going on i can't think good and i'm moving slow oh no uh that was that was confronting hmm. i actually had the worst hangover i've had in like a year a week ago because um we we finally like had some friends over because restrictions had been reduced enough that we could like see some people and we had three friends over for dinner and um, I made a, a nice big dinner. I made brisket, uh, did the whole jazz. And our friend said, what can we bring? And I was like, bring me a six pack of nice beer. And they bought like uh, a couple of six packs of just like mixed, mixed stuff like kaiju beers and, um, you know, craft sort of stuff. But you know how a bunch of them are like 15% mm. oh, kind like of thing? At the moment, my fridge is only one specific kaiju beer that's like 11 or 12% that they're just like, it's a desperation beer at this point. They're very strong. And we were all, you know, when like, you're just really happy about a social situation. Everybody was buzzing. They were high on life. Um, you're vibing. You're straight vibing. We were all straight vibing. And I got too excited and and just drank a lot of those beers. Drank mm -hmm. way too many of those beers. Um we were making cocktails. We had champagne because it was someone's birthday. I mixed up all the drinks. Here come the the drink, the drink conspiracy theories again. Oh, no, you shouldn't have mixed your drinks, bro. Oh, oh, I mixed so many drinks, so many kinds of drinks, and so many of them that I did not get out of bed until like two p.m. or something the next day, which is exceptional when you have small children. Uh, you need a caring partner for those. An incredibly generous wife. Yes, yes. Um, we do We do trade the occasional being kind to the other person when they have the odd hangover. Uh, it's a nice way to be. You got you to gotta bring the other person breakfast. I had one of those ones where like I tried to eat a piece of toast at like 1 p.m. the next day. <laughs> you know when you really need to eat something, but your body is also like, please don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the struggle. It's the struggle. Got to get something in you. That's why uh, Anthony Bourdain swore by smoking a, a fat blunt the first thing you do when you wake up with a hangover to get your appetite back. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, which very occasionally, if I've got nothing else on the next day, I will like just wake up and vape a little bit and be like, maybe I can have a little bit of toast for my poor tummy. Widow toasties. So anyway, if you don't drink, I apologize about the whole start of this episode. It'd be incredibly boring to you. 
Whereas us talking about all the times that we've been hungover will be fascinating to other people. A little bit of drinkers Look, chat. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that, um, you know, it was unusual to, to be able to actually be in a room with other adults that we liked to hang out with. And it was very fun. And it was very nice. Um, hey, there's been a whole lot of other people hanging out with each other in public. They've been doing protests. We talked... I already did a segue and Ben just derailed it. Just I don't think I derailed it. that one. I think I <laughs> congratulated you on the segue mm-hmm. and then you started talking about something else. No, it sounds like it was you and you're derailing this one. Oh, God, God fucking damn it. Welcome to Buddha Vista. It's a podcast. We talk about stuff. Podcast about segues. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first it's all segue podcast. <laughs> Why don't they make the whole plane out of segue? Oh... <laughs> So, uh, we did talk in length last week, Lucy and I, about the protests that are going on all around the world, specifically concentrated in America. Uh, Ben and Theo weren't there because they said, quote, we are not allies to that cause. I mean, I I was taken aback by hospitalized, but, you know. Yeah, Yeah, he was, and we're all glad he's And it was very nice about him, like, hey guys, car podcast today. Got a little Dying. bit of an upset tummy. Yeah, you didn't at any point say, oh, BT dubs, I am going to hospital, which you I think did. is information I would have appreciated. Well, how did I find out and you didn't, huh? Oh, uh, I think that alludes to a separate uh, <coughs> one layer down boys chat. Oh, okay. <gasps> oh, my God, no. It's <laughs> <sighs> anyway. not even in, the, in a cloister. Wow. I love here being here in the regular cloister. It's just great. Just in the normal cloister. Hanging out in the, just a regular cloister for average working Joes like myself. So, um, just kidding though, Ben does support the cause and he could tell you all about the protest that he went to yesterday? That's what true. Okay. Uh, it was yesterday. Uh, there, were, there were protests in Australia's beautiful capital cities as well as uh other ones in smaller places newcastle had a really big one which is wild um but yeah i went to the brisbane one which was uh i had a tough time deciding on whether or not i was going to go i think uh because you know there's this whole coronavirus on and uh, the organizers for all of these rallies have all taken very great pains to uh, make sure everyone's got masks, everyone's using hand sanitizer, everyone's sort of keeping a distance from each other and stuff, but I still, you know, it's scary. We live in a fucking scary time. We've all been locked inside for months. I don't like the prospect of us maybe being stuck inside for longer, but in the end, this, I think, seemed... It's a very important issue, and it's probably worthwhile showing support for these things, so I went, and it was fucking huge. Uh... The, the estimates I saw for the crowd size was something like 30,000 people, but also just from my experience of writing about anything with a crowd and how the media does that stuff, it is like just so far from a science that like one person will take a guess at what that number is and then every other media outlet will just use that number. So yep. I don't know how accurate that is, but it was it's bigger than any of the Australia Day marches that I've been to. Uh, it's bigger than the the big climate change ones that happened last year. Like it was just fucking enormous. Like if you, oh, there, there are photos and stuff going around, but it was meant to take place in King, King George Square in the city, which is quite large. Uh, and it just 
people could not fit into it. They were spilled out into the streets on both sides. It just kept going further and further, further back. Uh, it, it was uh, fucking astonishing, and uh, it was it was a good vibe. Like basically, every single person I saw was wearing a mask because they were giving them out for free. Uh, the only people that I saw that weren't wearing masks were like, we had two moments where like George and I are standing in the crowd, and these within five minutes, two guys walk past us not wearing masks separately. And they are both, like, the oldest men I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, two dudes that would have been in their, like, mid to late 70s, just fucking in a sea of people wearing masks. Them just like, huh, what? Not even... Which I guess, it's fine if the people around them are wearing masks, right? Because that's, that's what we're trying to stop, that moisture droplet expulsion from the mouth. So I guess they're, they're kind that's, of That's fine. why I don't drink water. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep your mouth real dry for public health reasons. Uh, yeah, so that that aspect of it was uh, it was it was heartening to see that people took this quite seriously, and then to see just that number of people come out uh, for something like this, especially when it's a scary time to leave your house. It's fucking rules. Well, I guess what's what's sort of interesting about this particularly is that like. I mean, obviously, there's the there's the government's reaction to these various things because, as people have pointed out, there was like a big protest in Sydney like a week ago for people to go out and say, "Oh, the five G gave me corona," and Pete Evans is a genius and that sort of shit. And we didn't see the government going to any particular pains to stop that or to tell those people. You shouldn't be gathering. You know, you're all you're all violating um, restrictions or anything like that. Uh, in this case, in Sydney, um, they they went to like the High Court, Supreme Court. They went Supreme to one Court. of those two. Yeah. Went to the Supreme Court to to try and have the the entire thing declared unlawful, so that they could say you're not allowed to do this thing. And of course, it was under the guise of, um, you know, we're concerned about health and restrictions and everything, but seems like a very, very selective process by which people are told you can't gather in numbers because they're also talking about, like, putting the footy back on, being able to go and watch watch the football live. And that's fine. I would, but- I would love to be able to try and deem criticism of myself unlawful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Lord knows you've tried. Just like my boss, like, ah, we've got to really sit down and have a chat. Hang on. Let me just push this this piece of paper across the table to you. Not lawful. <laughs> it just says no, no. <laughs> Can't but do. absolutely not. So so yeah, there's there's obviously that whole aspect of it. But like you said, Ben, there would be plenty of people like yourself who are thinking about it in that context without you know having the government try and force you to do so. But I guess it's it's interesting because of the spontaneous nature of this, because of how seemingly this particular event, you know, the murder of George Floyd has just prompted hundreds and thousands, if not millions of people around the world to say, you know what, we're kind of, kind of done with the police states that we're all living in. And we've had all of these, all of these concessions given from various, um, you know, cities and states and all that sort of stuff to say, hey, we're going to reduce some of the funding for the police and, hey, we're going to um, actually charge these cops that we've been watching 
kill people on film and all that sort of stuff. And people aren't letting up. And it's it seems like one of the sort of... It's the first time in my living memory where something like this has happened. There have been, you know, there's there's been action starting to be taken on the things people are asking about and people are saying, cool, but that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And they're still going. And that's extremely inspiring to me. Um, that people are sort of saying this is, you know, this is more important than saying we're all supposed to be staying inside. It's about hundreds of thousands of people pouring into the street to say we are all collectively done with being treated like this. And it's an extremely multiracial coalition of people coming out for this, you know? It's, uh, it's pretty good, if you ask me. The violence from the police, not so good. No, that that uh, that fucking no. sucks. Not a big no, I fan could of that. leave that. Uh, I mean, like, we've all been seeing the fucking videos that have been coming out of the States. Like, just every day there's, like, dozens where you're just like, well, there's no way it can get any worse than that. And then you, you know, you see a fucking uh, guy crack his head on the pavement, just start yeah. gushing blood out of his ear while a bunch of cops just walk past, like, ah, oh well. And and then they, you know, get up and they they straight up, you know, lie to your face about it as if we haven't just watched this entire um, like sequence of events, not just this one, but but everything unfold in the last couple of days on video camera from multiple angles. Right, but they'll just still straight up get get up there and and lie. And I think people will uh, are now. I hope, and I don't want to give too much credit to uh, to people, especially the media, especially the Australian media in particular. Mm-hmm. But start to not take at their word and just simply print it into the in the paper. Hey, this happened. That happened. You know, it's it's a um a scenario where where just the sheer brute force of the number of instances and the number of videos and then just the immediate turnabout lies about what occurred, how it occurred, who was responsible, maybe something will start to filter through into the various lizard brains of our media overlords. I don't know. You'd kind of hope that, like, uh, repeatedly seeing the phrase, they fell. They've tripped and fell. Oh, man. So, like, they use that with the... The guy who cracked his head open, uh, mm-hmm. well, the guy got the fucking brain bleed his, or whatever yep. it was. Yeah, uh, they said that he fell, even though there's clear video of him being pushed. My favorite was the uh, favorite is weird in this context, but a particularly glaring example of this was I think it was Channel Seven News Crew. Oh, it was an Australian News Crew, where mm-hmm. there is a guy with an enormous broadcast camera on his shoulder, like could not more obviously be from the media. If he well, was also like, trying to keep out of. The way. Yes. Like, he was like backing away because there's a bunch of fucking armored riot police descending on him. And this cop just comes around the corner and fucking whams a fucking plastic shield directly into his guts. And then they just come out and be like, oh, well, it was a confusing time and maybe someone fell. <laughs> well, he also, yeah, he also punches him directly in the face. Oh. And, and yeah, the press release said, oh, well, the police were moving forward after directing people to leave the area and they may have fallen. Um, and I think it's it's also important to note in this in this instance, and it, it is obvious, but it takes reiteration, is that the police are quite often the primary source of testimony in court mm. as well, not just in America and Australia as as well. Um, and it's it's very difficult to to reconcile that. I hope um, it should be difficult to reconcile that with um, you know with these instances. And you know what we know is you know 
that these instances have are not new. It's just that we've got more cameras on it now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think with this in particular, it's also shining this massive light on who the police have an allegiance to, and the answer to that is the police. Yes. Because who watches the Watchmen? Uh, actually, it's the Watchmen. Yep. We worked that out. Oh, that's they quite easy. They sorted it out. It's um, them. It's Watchmen all the way down. <laughs> they all. It's it's just a group of cops, and when somebody comes to them with a complaint, they turn to the cop next to them and go, "Does this look right to you?" And they go, "Yep." And then that's it. Because in the case of the of the seventy five year old, um, you know, the footage of him being pushed backwards, falling over, and cracking his head on the pavement immediately starting to pour blood out of his head. It's a very upsetting video. Um, one of the other cops leans down as if to try and see if he's okay, and another cop immediately stops him from attempting to render assistance to yeah. the elderly man. That says, no, 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 we don't do that around here. Cave the skull in on, and then all of the rest of them robotically walk forward around him. And so after being told, oh, well, yeah, he, he tripped and fell, and everybody said, actually, everybody in the world has seen what happened and is horrified by it. Um, they then say, oh, actually, you know, maybe we'll have a look into that. And people have gone, still not good enough. And they finally come back with, okay, we've charged the two cops that shoved him with assault. And apparently, uh, 57 other members of that police unit have uh, not resigned, but have like quit that That, that unit. task force. Yeah. yeah, that task force in solidarity with their colleagues, the ones who have been charged with assault for very, very clearly and blatantly assaulting an elderly man on camera. And in example after example, the only thing the cops care about is the cops. Like, um, you know, it's, it's the mayors that are, that are being pressured in all these cities to actually change things that are happening. And where they have given any kind of concessions, and they haven't been anywhere near enough. Um, like, you've, we've seen, you know, the, the police unions... The, the LAPD police union was publicly speculating on the mental health of the mayor after he said that, like, videos of people, of cops killing people showed killers. And they were like, we think that the mayor needs to see, like, a mental health professional yeah. and we're concerned about his faculties. That, that's not a new trick, by the way. There's a well-documented case of a whistleblower in um, the American police force um, who ended up being committed in the middle of the night to a mental institution for, for you know, rampant paranoia and all that sort of stuff by his colleagues because he was criticising the force. It's uh, well, and horrifying. These... It's, a, it's a nightmare. That's a nightmare scenario. And the, these aren't even... Like, I think that we aren't even really talking about cities that have... that are, like, widely acknowledged to have the reputations no, for having is, the worst police corruption. This is everywhere. Yeah. It is, um, I saw, you know, they've, they've, um, they've basically said we're going to disband the police in Minneapolis and we're going to rebuild this whole thing from the ground up, which is what I think they need to be talking about doing. But, um, but I saw a thing from a, from a council member in Minneapolis who said, um, if, if you try to defund the police or you try to actually change anything about what they're doing, they will deliberately like do slowdowns in your ward. And he said, I, I did a funding cut to the police when I was on the council there. 
and just started getting all these phone calls from people who said, I've called the police about this thing that was happening and it took them like 10 hours to show up. And when they did, they said, call your local councilman and ask them why it took us so long to turn up. Jesus Christ. And yeah, people are just like, it's a protection racket. The cops are the mafia. Like, give us what we want and give us all of the money and resources that we want <laughs> or else bad things happen yeah, to you. Yeah, give us what we want and no one will get hurt. No, sorry. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> Can't make any promises. But no. um, give us what we want and the right people will get hurt. And and I think as a lead into our to our next story, um, all, all they had to do, and this is being reductionist, but all they had to do was not fucking do this. Right? Yeah. There was an astonishing instance of police brutality where you know man was straight up murdered while police watched um and then people protested against brutality and all they had to do was not do the thing yep right they could keep everything they keep it would people would just people have very short memories um especially in america you can just it'll just go away you just don't worry about it. You just don't do the thing. Don't do the thing, and and everyone will forget, and we'll be back to you know just having racism where we can't see it. But they well, couldn't. Um, they couldn't help themselves. Like, uh, and the interesting thing is when all this kicked off, I think a lot of people were initially saying, "Oh, look at the police coming in and like, you know, beating people who are." Riding and, and looting sort of and stuff, and that's disappeared now, right? Like, it, it's well, clear that this is just. Now, now they're just now they're just doing things like um, you know when people are peacefully leaving protests, like cornering them several blocks away and just you know opening fire on them with rubber bullets and tear yep. gas, all of that kind of stuff. Yep. Or they um, they'll kettle them into a smaller space than they have you know room for. People start to panic, and there's your your reason right to go ham wild on them. But it's alright because what you can do to calm them down uh, yes. is you can just use pepper spray, and what that traditionally does is it makes people very it's very a calm. calming spray. It's yeah. like if you imagine like chickens, and protesters can just be hypnotized with calming spray. Do you think that maybe owning chickens has sort of changed the way that you compare things to other things? I mean, I don't really have a lot of things going on in my life right now. I barely leave the house, uh, and when I do, it's to go to the hospital. <laughs> Um, friend of the show, Patrick Wyman, uh, said something on Twitter that I found interesting, which was, um, he said, it's wild watching the police all across the country affirm that even property isn't as important to them as sustaining a very specific kind of social order. Oh, 100%. Uh, he says, given the choice, it seems like they'd much rather fight protesters than catch looters, which isn't as incoherent as it seems at first, because the protesters challenge the social order in a more direct way than looters do. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, and as a concrete um, example, and I mean the pun now like I, I actually meant to say that, um, they're, mm-hmm. they're just, you know, caught on camera laying down um, huge supplies of bricks for, to lure people into, you know, yep. grabbing them and smashing a window, then you go and beat the protesters. You know, it, it's, it's he's one hundred percent on the money there. That well, that it protecting the property is is not the point. Well, the things where the the police have been like deliberately um, blocking off routes while protesters are marching through a city, um, and then like heading them off onto a bridge where they've closed the other side of the bridge 
hemming them in on both sides yep. and then waiting Leaving until the curfew hours. is is over and then saying, you're all out past curfew and now we're going to beat the shit out of you. That's, um, but yeah, I, don't, I, I feel like, you know, even seeing, um, even seeing more and more outlets in the press and ones that are less and less prone to do this type of thing, saying, you know, protests about police brutality met with waves of police brutality. Yeah. Like, people are starting to say it now. And I noted this on the show last week when Lucy and I were talking about it, but I think um, I think that it bears repeating. Um, I, I kind of think in, in a good way, sorry, I, I think in a very broad way, it is a net positive that the press are being treated the same as the protesters here. Because historically, it's been a thing where something will happen, the press observe it, and they say, oh, well, we need to hear both sides of this thing. And we need to get a statement from the police. And we need to blah, blah, blah. And in this case, it's just yeah. been the police walking the up police to journalists. The police like, yeah, I got your statement right here. Punching them in the face, saying, I don't give a fuck about your press badge. I will take it off you. Um, pepper spraying people. There's been journalists just standing out in the middle of the street, you know, 50 meters away from anything happening. And they see a line of cops down the road and they go, who are they shooting at? Oh, fuck. They're shooting at us. It's us. Like, we are the, yeah, we are their enemy now. Yeah. And the fact that there has been, that there is now just no, um, yeah, the police are not discerning at all between protesters and the press. They're just saying, if you are out on the streets anywhere in the vicinity of any of this, we have license to beat the shit out of you. And yeah, I think that it's just, it's really cut out this whole middleman of, the police appeared to engage in like violence or the police appeared to instigate this thing. Instead, we just have video after video after video, more and more and more footage of like, um, did you guys see the footage of the CNN reporter getting arrested live on air? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh -huh. black reporter standing there with his crew and uh, are suddenly surrounded by a group of white cops and they say, hey guys, uh, we're, we're filming here. We're all press. Here's our accreditation and everything. Would you like us to move somewhere else? We can do that. And then they just silently start arresting them all while they're doing a live feed to the CNN. And it's like, they're just absolutely intent on showing people what they are and what they're doing and what they obviously must be kind of doing all the time. Like you said, Theo, the only thing they had to do was not this. Yeah. And I did see a thing earlier in the day from a, um, from like a sociologist or an anthropologist or something, um, saying that they had looked at this data from thousands of protests between 1960 and 1995 and said that by far any protest that was about the way people are treated by the police had a far higher rate of the police turning out in greater numbers and inflicting violence on the people there. They were like, this is no coincidence. If you were thinking to yourself, hey, are the police doing this specifically because people are protesting about the way they are treated by the police and that they want the police to behave differently? The answer is absolutely 1000% yes. And we saw an interesting example of this in Sydney. So Sydney had their protest. I think um, in Queensland, didn't they declare beforehand that like there weren't going to be any arrests or any like charges for breaking restrictions or anything like that i'm not um, actually sure but i mean the the way it planned out on the day was that cops were there handing out masks 
which seems kind of like a tacit endorsement of being outside. Well, I, I'm, I thought I read something. I might be wrong, as always, about absolutely everything. Um, I thought I read something beforehand that the police had basically said beforehand that, you know, we are not going to get anybody's way about this. Whereas, like we said, New South Wales said, we're going to go to court tr- to try and get this assembly deemed unlawful, um, which it was, but then it went back for appeal and was reviewed several hours before it was meant to be uh, meant to be on and it was found to be a lawful assembly and so people went and they did you know a very very large peaceful protest and then seemingly for no reason afterwards there were people in the train station going home they were surrounded by a group of cops in the train station who then kettled them all into a corner and blasted them all with mace and you have to ask yourself, what, what prompted this as like, this is a good idea. This is a thing we should be doing now. And it's very hard to imagine any kind of reasonable explanation for this beyond, well, we're the cops and we kind of want people to know that we're in charge around here. Yeah. Like, I, I cannot think of anything feasible for this other than if they had to just... Like, you know, there were people chanting on the train platform and if they had just left them alone, they would have just gone home after a while. But they yeah, couldn't I mean, do that. that that's, they're at the train station. It almost seems like uh, protesters can't have confrontations with cops if there are no cops there. Hmm. You know? Interesting. Interesting. It's a theory that I'm putting forward. But like, even... um. I was looking at, uh, whether it was in Sydney or Brisbane, I was, you know, looking at feeds from both things throughout the day. And, like, it seemed like, in general, the cops were trying to not be antagonistic about a lot of this stuff. Like, um, you know, there were people up on top of the the glass tram stop things, uh, train station things, and the cops, you know, eventually came along and said, hey, guys, could you please get down from there? We want to people to stay safe and the protesters went okay and they got down and it seemed like you know for all of the sort of public part of this they they quite deliberately avoided antagonizing in a lot of a lot of instances but then this thing of the train station it's like yeah but we got to we got to get one in you know we got to yeah. get we got to get one for ours and all they had to do was not do the thing it was like right at the very end there they could have just clean slate and of course, as we all keep saying, uh, there were a whole bunch of people down there getting maced, recording the whole thing, posting it all online immediately. Yep. As police stood up at the entrance to the tunnel and blocked members of the press from going down there, telling them, quote, there's nothing to report on. Yeah. Uh, you, guys, oh, we, we're not worth your time. Don't even, guys, don't even bother about it. Guys, guys. We, if you've seen one train, yep. you've seen them all. <laughs> So, so there's there is literally video. You can go and go and look it up. Um, police form a barrier at the entrance, so clearly people cannot get out. Mm-hmm. They also cannot get in. Uh, those people trying to get in are the press. Um, so, clearly, this is a premeditated act, right? If you were saying, "Well, we're going to block this off so the press can't go and see that," you are premeditating this assault against the people. Um, so some of those people were um, uh, this this lady Jane who was on um, 
uh, I believe she was the one on, on crutches. Uh, you can go and see a photo of her being grabbed by the neck by a police officer. Um, and, of course, she is not doing anything. Uh, she's on crutches. Um, there are photos of um, just people just sitting on the ground uh, while a man, like, leans over a three-cop-thick barrier of people and just sprays mace indiscriminately uh, on the people sitting down. Um, and again, it's hard to th- see how they thought that this was not going to be filmed or photographed or seen um, to be the premeditated assault that it was. I think the the thing that becomes clearer and clearer to your average person, I would hope that the thing that becomes clearer and clearer to the average person, because of course we know that there are a whole bunch of people watching this stuff and saying, oh, well, you shouldn't yeah, have been good, out after curfew. Do and say exactly what the police <laughs> want. And, the, yeah, yeah the, the, thing, the thing that I will never cease to be amazed by, which is the number of people who say, oh, well... If the police beat the shit out of you with a baton and sprayed you point blank with mace, you simply must have been doing something that caused the police to act this way. Therefore, the police did not do anything wrong. Because the police wouldn't do something like that unless you gave them a reason to. And the problem with that is, uh, one day they're going to make Bitcoin illegal. And then they're coming for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's been really interesting talking to, like, my own family about this as well. Because... um, you know, my parents are, uh, like, in their 60s. They're, they're both, you know, very sort of middle-of-the-road people. Um, I, I would say that my own politics have been very informed by, like, listening to them talk about politics growing up and everything. And, and like, ex- except, you know, that, that for them has always kind of existed within the realms of of what was on the cards, like the two-party system and all that sort of stuff. You know, neither of them were ever talking about any kind of, like, revolutionary-type shit or maybe we should all be communists or anything like that. Um, but just general general senses of, of decency and fairness and equality and all that sort of stuff. But to listen to them talk about all of this has been really interesting because, like, you know, my, my dad, who's, like, an ex-military guy and from, like, a really really like straight-laced Christian family with, with like, I think lots of right-wing people in it on the fringes. Um, just saying like, how can you look at this stuff and think that anything else is happening? But the police just exercising brutality on people to say, we are the ones who tell you what to do. You know, you just see video after video after video after video. And even and even to, to sort of hear them both say like... Um, hey, you know, violence and, like, rioting and stuff isn't good. But you also get to a point where it's like, well, what what choices are you leaving people? You know? And I, I suspect looking at, like, the sheer scale of these protests that there are a lot of people who are having this moment, who are looking at all of this stuff and saying, like, yeah, this doesn't affect me personally in the way that it affects all these other people, but I can see with my own eyes what is happening. You know, like 100%. just the, yeah, the the scale, the scale and the volume of evidence of the police 
antagonizing and instigating and using violence where it wasn't necessary at all just has to be overwhelming in terms of yeah the number of people who must just look at it and go like like i i obviously you know i feel the way i feel about police (laughs) but um but even i find myself watching these videos of like people trying to get home from these protests just like walking down the street and like three cops just walking up to them and all just beating them in the legs as hard as they can with batons and i just keep finding myself watching them i know what the answer to this is but i keep finding myself watching these and going what are you doing like why what are well, you doing andrew but you see the police have been have been threatened and disrespected. It's true. Uh, including people are rude to them, so they must kill. People are rude to them, or, or they are, have signaled that they may be at one point in the future rude to them. Um, <laughs> so, for example, uh, The Age um, ran a story where um, an unnamed senior Victorian gov- government official claimed that protesters planned to spit at officers. Uh, they, um, I saw this headline... Um, live myself, uh, which just said, uh, activists have threatened police command with spitting, inflammatory chanting, and other forms of physical abuse. But of course, not inflammatory chanting. But of course, they didn't. Uh, there's no proof. There's no anything like this. And I'm, I'm really racking my brain as to how that threat went down. Like, hello, is this police? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, yeah, it's me, Antifa. Um. Just letting you know there, uh, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be uh, spitting on you and I'm going to say some very rude things that rhyme. <laughs> it's going to be a bit rhythmic, it's gonna... <laughs> uh, but yeah, very inflammatory. Yeah, but very easy for the crowd to pick up. So, I just feel like... Look out for that. If you're, you know, working for The the Age, this is one of the more prestigious newspapers in the country. Uh, one of, I guess, the big three, right? Uh, you would maybe... If you had an anonymous claim from an institution where that claim, publishing that, would work in the favour of that institution, you would maybe apply some scrutiny to that, you would think. But instead, what they did is they took that line, they repeated it verbatim, they put it in the headline without, as an absolute, right? The, The original headline, they just said, activists are planning to do this. They didn't say someone from the government has claimed this. They didn't... That There was no, uh, like, wiggle room around whether or not it was true. They just said, this is what it is. First couple of paragraphs outlined that in the same fashion before saying this came from an unnamed source within the Victorian government. And then way down the bottom of the story, they spoke to, I believe, Tarnine Onus Williams, uh, one of the organisers, who said, yeah, we've got no fucking idea about any of that. That doesn't sound right. Uh, They looked at some of the materials they'd been putting out, which was all of it just telling people to be extremely safe. Uh, And yeah, they they had the story up. It was put up at like 11.45 the night before because this was one of the stories that was going in the print edition. So when everyone actually started looking at the news in the morning, you know, seven or eight, everyone's like, hey, this fucking sucks. Then over the course of the day, they had like a good nine hours of people just being like, what the fuck, this is insane. They kept changing the headline around. Uh, At one point, they just put, uh, 
the exact same claim put scare quotes around it to sort of imply that it was coming from someone else. But again, without saying where that claim was coming from, then eventually uh, they put up a clarification saying that, you know, this falls short of their standards, blah, blah, blah. They acknowledged that uh, it was backed up, wasn't backed up beyond one unnamed senior government source. The story put undue evidence, uh, emphasis on these claims. The organizers said they had no knowledge of this. They apologized, blah, blah, blah. So, look, that's basically ineffective, largely because a no one reads stories past the headline. Like, one in a hundred people actually click on things. So, it's already out there. People will have shared it and read it well before this clarification would have got up. The clarification's buried at the bottom. It's also, like, swamped by ads and links to other stories, so kind of hard to get to. And further than that, all of the other sort of parasite media companies that just rip stories from, you know, actually funded journalism institutions had already ripped it off, had already published it. Uh, the Daily Mail took it. Their headline for the story was Black Lives Matter protesters in Melbourne threatened to attack and spit on cops as 18,000 people are expected to march on the city. Uh, huh. They obviously... Uh, didn't put a clarification in, didn't change the story. They didn't provide any more evidence than the age because they literally just took what the age said and copied it. And also they have a much bigger reach on Facebook. And I think they generally tend to get higher in the uh, Nielsen ratings as well as an outlet just because they're racist trash and people love that shit. So this, this idea that they've put out there, they have just basically given the cops sanction for violence before anything has even started, and it's just gone everywhere like that because it's lazy fucking journalism. You know, it's either it's either lazy or it's malicious, and either way, the consequences are fucking horrible. And it's fine; that shit just happens all the time in the media, and there's no real accountability for it. You just go, "Oh, we're sorry." Well, Aww. there's been a there's been a parallel to this in the states with the New York Times printing an editorial from Senator Tom Cotton saying, "Hey." we need to empower the National Guard and the military to shoot these protesters because they are traitors to America and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people understandably said, why the fuck are you publishing like a call to violence from the government on peaceful protesters? And, you know, first it was the standard, hey, you got to hear both sides. If you want like a, if you, if you want to, you know, beat a bad idea, you must air that bad idea and then argue against it, despite the fact that there was no counter-argument to it put forward. Um, and then, as the pressure stayed on, it eventually came out that it was like, yeah, the op-ed editor didn't actually read that but had already before it got published. But had already vociferously defended it um, yes. when people started criticizing it, still having not read it. He had put a lot of energy into defending it, but um, did not put any... <laughs> like, yeah, well, they they finally came back around and were like, oh, it turns out nobody read it. Um, and the additional thing was, it turned out that they pitched Tom Cotton on writing the opinion piece. Which, yeah, because he'd originally come to them with something else and they were like, oh, you could defend the use of the military against protesters. He was like, yeah. yeah. So, we're like, hey, right. why, not, why not have a go at that? And and I think that that's, this this stuff should be very interesting to people who rely on the press so much as this idea of, you know, a fourth estate that is looking out for everybody's best interests and transparency and democracy and all that sort of stuff. 
when you actually hear the process that goes into something like that getting into like the paper of record in America. And the answer is that some guy who used to work for like uh, whatever it is, you know, the National Weekly or the Federalist or some shit that was an intern and just said, hey, this looks pretty cool and put it in the opinion page. <laughs> Sick. Like, there, yeah, there was just like no scrutiny, no thinking being applied to it at all. Much like that piece in The Age where somebody phoned up and said, hey, I've heard that um, Antifa super soldiers are going to spray poison Mountain Dew on the police uh, through their fangs. And they went, oh, shit. Okay. But, Andrew, the alternative is it's really hard. And I don't want to do mm. it. It's a bunch of it's work. way harder. Now, um, look, it's all pretty serious right now. It's all going on. It's all going on out there in the streets. Uh, we hope that everybody who is out there, you know, showing solidarity and going to protests is staying very safe. Uh, it is a bit of a dangerous, scary time. And that's why we would like to finish on something slightly, slightly, slightly calmer, you know, just to soothe everybody a little bit. And that's an installation of Nature Corner. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong, Nature Corner, baby. What do you got for us this week, Ben? Did you did you do another core? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just checking, because I thought maybe I had not heard the secondary coring in the the end of that until this point, but uh, Me too. That was also the process I was going through. Beautiful. Uh, what I've got for us here is a press release from the University of Nottingham, or Nottingham. Not quite Ooh. sure. Uh, this this is the headline. Two lefties make a right if you're a one in a million garden snail. And uh, maybe I am. You aren't. You're a common garden variety garden snail. Uh, I've included this because I think this is just very nice. And also we're using the... Uh, Six o'clock news model of just like 27 minutes of nightmares. Three minutes of joy. That squirrel <laughs> can water ski. Uh, a global campaign to help find a mate for a left coiling snail called Jeremy has enabled scientists to understand how mirror image garden snails are formed. First off, Jeremy. Fantastic name for a snail. Mm-hmm. That's true. Just giving, like, any sort of animal uh, a regular sort of man's name, very, very funny to me. You know, I, I respect people that give their pets, say, a fun sort of pun kind of name or a nonsense name, but uh, to me, giving them a the name of an adult human, very, very funny. Makes me think of my favorite joke, Ben. I would love to hear it, Andrew. A uh, grasshopper hops into a bar. And he hops up onto the stool and the bartender says, hey, we got a drink named after you. And he goes, what, Kevin? <laughs> Thank you. It's a great joke. <laughs> uh, the findings, published today in the journal Biology Letters, 
showed that the rare left spiraling shell of some garden snails is usually a development accident rather than an inherited condition. In October 2016, evolutionary geneticist Dr. Angus Davison in the University of Nottingham's School of Life Sciences appealed to the public for their help in matchmaking for Jeremy, a garden snail with a rare left coiling shell. Dr. Davison hoped to use the offspring from Jeremy to study the genetics of this condition because his previous work on snails had given insight into understanding body asymmetry in other animals, including humans. But another left-coiling snail had to be found first. As well as a mirror image shell, Jeremy had genitals on the opposite side, making it very difficult for the snail to mate with normal snails. Finally, some representation. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that there was uh, chirality to snail (laughs) genitals. You could have, like, dick-handedness. Wild. Just, I don't know where the genitals on a snail sit, and I'm not going to find out. Well, I I actually started off left-dicked, but my teachers hit it with a ruler enough that I swapped. (laughs) Oh, Oh boy. The science to unravel this mystery was made possible by the involvement of the general public in finding a mate for Jeremy, initially via an appeal put out on BBC Radio 4's Today program, and then the wider media using hashtag snail love. Jeremy became a global sensation and internet celebrity. Celebrity. Mm-hmm. <sighs> More than 1,000 news, radio, television television and science articles, including the BBC and New York Times, highlighted the plight of the lovelorn snail. A graphic novel featuring the snail is now in development. It's already been optioned by Marvel Studios. Uh, By bringing together a worldwide group of citizen scientists uh, and the snails that they had found, Dr. Davison used the publicity to understand what makes an exceptional reverse-coiled snail such as Jeremy. Although more than 40 lefty snails were found by citizen scientists... Sorry, altogether, more than 40 lefty snails were found by citizen scientists in the wild and from snail farms. <laughs> Didn't know those existed. Uh, Davison and the citizen scientists bred the lefty snails together to test whether their occurrence was due to an inherited condition. Over three years, nearly 15,000 eggs were hatched from four generations of snails, including Jeremy. Oh, uh, Jeremy. Uh, initially, Jeremy had been left uh, shell-shocked after being given the cold shoulder by two suitors who seemed to prefer each other. (laughs) (laughs) You got cucked. Then, shortly before Jeremy's death, one mate produced a batch of 56 babies, about one-third of which were likely to be fathered by Jeremy. The new evidence shows that rare lefty garden snails are not usually produced due to inherited condition. Instead, they are mainly produced by a developmental accident. This finding has relevance to understanding the common factors that define animal asymmetry, including humans, and the origin of rare reversed individuals in other animal groups. Dr. Davison said, After a long search for a mate and several mishaps along the way, Jeremy finally produced offspring, which delighted me, and the rest of the world. This guy loves it when snails fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were then able to use Jeremy's offspring and the offspring from other lefties to discover how these mirror-imaged individuals are produced. Our findings showed that it is usually a developmental accident rather than an inherited condition that makes a lefty garden snail. We helped solve one of nature's puzzles, which was very satisfying. There was also a happy ending for Jeremy. A few of them, actually. Uh, in finding love and producing offspring, albeit just before dying. None of this would have been possible without the public's help. We have learned that two lefties usually make a right, at least if you are a garden snail. 
In other snails, being a lefty is an inherited condition, but we still don't really know how they do it. If we are able to find out, then this may help us understand how the right and left side of other animal bodies are defined, including ourselves. You could say that we tried to recreate what made Jeremy different, but this was not possible. Jeremy was special. Isn't that nice? <laughs> this guy was just living his life, sliming up a garden somewhere, and then every person in the UK dropped tools to find some other snails to fuck him. We gotta start rubbing some snails together. This is the dream. Imagine that you're just living your life, and they're like, hey, we've just put a call out. Uh, we're gonna try and find some people to have sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so you stay here that's pretty and, then it, and then at some point they bring uh they bring two people into the room and yeah. they start fucking each other and you're like god damn it <laughs> how do i make it my turn i'm trying to think what the human equivalent of this is and it's maybe like having someone knock at your door and be like uh we just found 40 people that like babylon 5 as much as you uh congratulations <laughs> <laughs> we want to study what makes people like watching babylon 5 Oh dear. Uh, I think I reckon that does us for this week. So uh, if you are out there in the protests, please stay safe. Look after yourself. Look after each other. Uh, apparently, don't use water in your eyes if you get pep spray in them. What should you use? Uh, follow friend of the show, Eliza, on Twitter. That's three Liza for a very in-depth discussion of this. Mm, I, I saw that thread. That uh, Reading a lot of scientific papers there. Hmm. Uh, saline solution might be one of the best things to do, to just put that in your eyes and then blink a whole lot and try and get it out of there. Uh, but yeah, ideally don't get pepper sprayed. But um, if that is what needs to happen in the course of bringing justice to the world, then I guess some people are getting pepper sprayed. I mean, a lot of people are already getting pepper sprayed. Mm. And I hope they're all okay. So, uh, if you would like some extra episodes of the show, either catch them on this feed or head on over to patreon.com slash Punta Vista. Uh, you can get some bonus content, support the show, all that kind of thing. Or you could give that money to a bail fund instead, you know? I think that's a great idea. Probably do that. Do the latter. Give some money to Sisters Inside, you know? That's also a great idea. Yes, if you're in Australia. So that's it for us. Everybody, look after yourselves, look after each other, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.